Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host Kevin Appleby and again today I've got Dan Wells with me. And when we recorded the first episode we started talking about the finance system survey that we did back in April this year and we thought it would be worth actually putting a full episode of the podcast together to talk just simply about that system survey. So Dan, can you start this off just by telling us how we did the survey who how did we how did we get the answers who was involved what sorts of backgrounds were they from sure hi kevin hello everybody and so back in april may we launched a a big survey of 20 different questions which were designed to be completed by finance leaders across the whole range of businesses The objective of doing so is that we wanted to understand more around the types of systems that people are currently using and whether they would recommend those systems to other people um, and indeed to understand um, the pros and cons of the different systems that people were experiencing and to get an idea of what other applications they were looking to integrate and, and indeed their plans for the future. So, you know, lots of different things that would be really interesting for the finance leader community. Now, to start with, we built the survey in the cloud and we sent it round to the community. And we spent quite a lot of time um, promoting it within our different collaborative sessions, in particular during some of our future of finance function and weekly sessions that we have within the portal. And over time, we found actually pretty quickly we had um, hundreds of responses from finance leaders, which gave us plenty of information to digest as part of the survey. So hundreds of responses, Dan. Um, what, what sort of sectors and industries are represented here? Good question, Kevin. I mean, there, there were a whole range of sectors and industries involved. So um, I think we worked out that it pretty much covered each of the dozen or so different sectors that we have um, across the community, which is a pretty fair representation of the, the overall marketplace. Um, in, in addition, in, in terms of sizes, we had companies of all different sizes. Some people were competing it as a sort of fairly early startup stage business. Uh, we had a lot of companies looking at it from a mid-market space. Um, and indeed, we had a lot of, sort of larger, more established businesses as well. We deliberately asked people to tell us a little bit about their organisation so that we could start to put them into different buckets when it came to analysing the results in the survey. And two of the things in particular we looked at, because we know that both these things have such an impact on systems, um, was firstly how many different statutory entities companies have within their group. So 71% of respondents had Um, multiple statutory entities across the organization Um, and and then secondly we looked at the level of currency challenge that companies had Um, and again uh, 73% of businesses a similar number um, had multi-currency requirements within their business. So Dan yeah that's an interesting cross-section now finance system survey you would expect us to cover everything from zero and QuickBooks at the small end all the way up to SAP at the big end. But quite a few people, and not just startups, still using Excel. That's right, Kevin. It was, it was really surprising, actually, just how many people are still using Excel. 
Um, we we knew there were still a few people out there doing so, but actually, you know, quite a quite a decent number were still using it. And and actually, for us, we found that um, it was often because people couldn't decide what system to replace Excel with. Um, I, I think that you know Excel is something that's obviously been around for a long time and people have built up a lot of expertise in using it and not only have they invested significant time and effort to train themselves to get the most out of excel uh, but it's also something that, that people trust and you know, they, they just feel very comfortable using so you know, ev even if there are other systems out there that could potentially do the, the same thing in a more automated manner and um, i think people just feel that it, it kind of does the job and and if it's not broken why fix it I must admit, I still end up, if I'm doing accounts, say, for our sports centre, I still end up using Excel an awful lot, even though we've got zero as the accounting system, because the, the report you get out of zero never seems to be quite, ex quite the thing that you want, you want to present to the trustees to, to tell them what they need to know. So I think there's always going to be a place for zero for Excel around, around systems like zero or QuickBooks. It's, they're not the answer to everything, but... I suppose that takes you into the that's that small business space. Um, which which system ends up being dominant in the small business space, Dan? Well, Kevin, it's not really a big surprise, but zero was absolutely dominant in that space. And um, you know, we we found that more than fifty percent of the businesses that classified themselves as sort of small or medium and um, were using zero to one degree or another. Um, and, and that's quite interesting, actually, because you know, Zero obviously can offer a lot of interesting things for businesses. Um, for example, there's a lot of pre-built integrations in there because they've worked with a lot of third-party software providers to, to automatically integrate those systems together without companies needing to um, employ software developers or, or get in-house expertise to do so themselves and so, so i think zero has brought in a lot of benefits and i think some of the the challenges that people did have around zero as they scaled up to become you know more large and complex um was around its ability to deal with a multi-currency and certainly in a sort of in a more complex environment um, and indeed we found that most zero users were still doing their consolidations of their group statutory entities within Excel by downloading you know, each of the individual company ledgers and then doing it manually in, in the traditional manner. So, so certainly you know, Xero has made a huge impact. I think they've built a really good channel partner model, which has helped to penetrate the market. Um, and, and there's some fantastic sort of reporting modules within the software. Um, but you know, it still does have some limitations as it scales towards the, sort of the mid-market and, and enterprise side of, of businesses. That, that's fascinating that people are still using the spreadsheet for the consolidation. Um, just to show how long in the tooth I am, Dan, I remember way back in BDO Binder Hamlin when I, when I was qualifying, this amazing machine turned up one day in the office. It was called an IBM PC and nobody had ever seen one before. And it had this lovely piece of software on it. And it turned out this, this, this piece of software was called a spreadsheet. It wasn't Excel. Excel hadn't even been thought of back then. And it was, I think it was 
32 columns by 256 rows and it looked like a sheet of analysis paper because we we accountants were really used to using analysis paper and somebody had a bright idea that said well hang on if this does all of these calculations automatically we could use this to consolidate some group accounts let's have a go and see if we can do it and here we are nearly 40 years later and people are still doing the same thing using excel how the world has not changed dan <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, Kevin. And, and it's interesting because I, I talked about consolidations there, but actually a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, aside from the survey, we we asked our gross CFO community whether they were using Excel or systems to produce um, their sort of cash flow forecasts and, and to perform all their cash management processes. And actually we found that 91% of the community, which, you know, is, is mixed across you know, a number of different finance systems are still doing their cash management processes within Excel, completely outside of their finance systems. Um, and again, it was very much for the same reasons, because it's a, a tried and tested formula that works. Yet there are some very good plugins to Zero, QuickBooks and bigger systems that will allow you to produce those forecasts and cash flows automatically. And when you've got transactions dropping in and out your accounting system every day, one of the problems with your spreadsheet is always making sure the base data that you're forecasting forward on is the latest set of base data. So intuitively, I would have thought that was one of the system, one of the areas that could be most easily automated and improved by by cloud systems. Yet, as you say, we've still got a huge, huge percentage of folk doing that manually using Excel. That's right, Kevin. And I guess we, we were surprised by the, you know, the level of results. I mean, we expected a number of people to still be using spreadsheets, but probably not sort of over 90%. And, and when we asked people why, because we, we did hold a separate debate on this, and it was a collaborative event across the community. And people gave a number of different answers but the, the key themes coming out of it were the fact that firstly you know, they felt that there were a lot of industry challenges which meant that maybe some of the systems out there wouldn't be able to cope with some of the industry specifics within their business and they also had a lot of customers who were on differing terms of conditions and, and you know that made it quite hard to sort of simplify their processes into something that could easily fit into an off-the-shelf system and also obviously at the moment you know there's so much concern around cash and liquidity and I think people just didn't feel that it was something that they wanted to prioritize trying to automate right now um, you know, CFOs are having to be so close to cash, it's, you know, cash is king in businesses as a lot of people say um, and therefore they just felt that if, even though it involves a lot of, sort of manual input and, and time from them it just kept them closer to the numbers and, and really sort of in control and understanding what was happening. This is it and changing a system or changing part of a system is not a small task and if it's something that you're, because it was the crisis that we've just come through you need every day of the week and i've certainly been talking to cfos who are updating their their cash flows on a daily basis that's not a period during which you want to change the way you put that cash forecast together it might be a hard work to get the forecast out it might take you most of the day to update it but you, know, you may take a, a couple of weeks changing system 
And then there's no guarantee you've got that system set up correctly to produce you the right results. So yeah, that is a very, very tricky area of business change and not one to think about in a crisis. So Dan, we talked about the the small business end and zero being dominant and an area of the account existence marketplace that I don't really know, the mid-market area. What are, the, what are mid-market firms using these days? Yeah, it's an interesting one in the mid-market space because you know, people are kind of stuck in the middle a bit between, I guess, offerings like zero, which have become very popular at the lower end, um, versus having to do full sort of SAP or Oracle integrations, which you know, typically are big ERP overhauls that you know, can take years and, and cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. So you know, we, we had a lot of businesses um, answering this one. And, and actually, the, the two that came up, um, which you know, I guess one was a surprise, one wasn't, but um, a killer um, and then NetSuite. I think a lot of people would be familiar with NetSuite, um, but actually a, a killer also performs really well, a, a UK-based um, finance function system, um, which is a, a complete cloud-native system. So um, we, we, we've had a lot of companies tell us in the past that a killer is a really, a really good um, finance package. Um, but actually, it was nice to hear firsthand from people that you know, it has done so well. Um, we did actually find a lot of mid-sized businesses were still stuck on zero, simply because, as you said, Kevin, you know, they haven't quite been able to prioritise the, the time or cost to, towards being able to make that change. Um, but certainly, I, I think it's a really interesting side of the market because you don't have many cloud native systems within that space you know most of the um, the sort of newer cloud offerings operate in the lower side of the market and um, whereas in the sort of upper end of the market you get a lot more sort of remote traditional systems out there so you normally think about one or two players in this piece of the market and there's there's microsoft dynamics and then being a, a geordie i've got some bias towards a, a little Geordie upstart called Sage. Um, did we see much of those? So, so I guess the most popular Sage product was Sage 50, um, which you know, a few decades ago was doing so well in the lower end of the marketplace. Um, I think it's fair to say that nowadays, whilst the offering has evolved, I think Zero's sort of taken a lot of market share from Sage. Um, and certainly that was reflected in our results. And Microsoft Dynamics is definitely still around. Um, it's definitely a system that a lot of people are still thinking about. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who I talk to, um, they are thinking about whether um, to go for NetSuite or, or a Microsoft package. Um, so, you know, it's definitely out there, but actually it didn't have as high representation as maybe we'd expected. So, top end of the market, is that still very much SAP dominant? Or is there any change going on there, Dan? It is, Kevin. I mean, SAP is still doing really well. Um, a lot of people are using Oracle. Um, Workday is also you know, featured quite a lot in there as well. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because when you look at these systems, I mean, they are significant systems and, and obviously you know, a lot of thought needs to go into whether they're the right ones because, you know, they'll typically take you know, a year or more to implement. Um, you're probably talking in excess of a quarter of a million pounds to put them in so you know there's a lot to think about there and um and yeah it'd be interesting to see over time whether you know anything else comes out to really challenge those uh, big players in that space 
So any, any big issues that really came out of the survey done that surprised you? I think one of the interesting things to ask Kevin is that 70% of the community are using cloud products, but actually that still leaves sort of 30% who are using on-premise solutions. And, you know, whilst there's, there's no reason not to use an on-premise solution if you're you know, happy to incur the cost and, and have the continued sort of maintenance and upgrade requirements, um, it was interesting that, that actually, you know, that there's a lot of impact as to, to which offering you go for. And we're certainly finding that a lot of people are thinking about how they want to integrate different systems together now. Um, you know, finance functions, you know, whilst they've got the word finance in them, actually they're not just processing financial data anymore. And there's a lot more non-financial data that CFOs and, and their respective teams are becoming responsible for. Um, and we're seeing a huge amount of integration requirements in order to automate the workflows of those data between the finance function and the rest of the business. So, you know, I think people need to think long and hard around you know, whether you want a, a cloud-based offering or an on-prem solution, um, and therefore the sort of the, the consequences in terms of um, whether you'll need to to use sort of pre-built pre-built applications to integrate those systems together, or, or indeed whether you need to use APIs with sort of third-party software developers. And that that whole area of APIs and integration, I think, was one that surprised me, Dan. That um, there's still 30% of the folks that responded to the survey have done no integration at all at this point. So we're seeing quite a varied level of maturity at what's out there at the moment. It's by no means a level playing field with everybody's finance function doing fantastic stuff. That's right, Kevin. We, we asked the community recently in a separate poll um, when they expected the majority of businesses to have fully automated their financial processes. Um, the options we gave them were sort of 2025, 2030, 2040 or 2050. Um, and the vast majority thought it would be in, in 2030 which clearly is still 10 years away. And I think a lot of people sort of maybe felt that, that it should move quicker than that. Um, and I suspect if you looked at it simply from a technology capability perspective, um, certainly you know, the offerings are already around and, and improving rapidly to allow you to do it much quicker than that. And, but I think what it really highlights are two things. Firstly, um, that it's quite difficult to change your culture and get people's buy-in to completely um, change the way that your business processes operate, um, in particular given the you know, current business environment that we're experiencing. Um, but secondly, actually, you know, there's, there's a lot of emphasis on the CFOs here. Um, and you know, many of the more experienced CFOs, you know, these systems will be very new to them. And you know, they're not necessarily all experts in terms of being a technology advocate. So, you know, it's not just about having the, the technology and systems capability, it's about having the right skills and expertise and focus within the finance functions to, to know how to simplify your processes and, and really make the most of the technology that's out there. Yeah, that's one of the huge challenges that's around for the CFO at the moment. You've, you've got to have this knowledge of 
not just your current systems and the way they work, but some idea of how you can evolve those, because a lot of those things will involve changing the way the business operates and potentially saving a lot of money, getting faster and better information. So in turn, that means as a CFO, you've got to have a load of change management skills to do things, as well as sitting there being the strategic business partner of the uh, CEO. So what we see there, Dan, is just that huge, huge challenge of all the stuff you've got to have in your, your toolkit to be a great CFO that nobody ever taught you to pass your exams. I think one of the things that surprised me was that 66% of responders rated their software sophistication lower than seven. 64% of responders with multiple entities said their software cannot manage consolidations. 43% of responders with multi-currency requirements said it performed average at best. So it feels like there's a big, big space for improvement there. And I think that's reflected the to some extent, and it surprised me that this number was low, that only 42% of people felt they would be using their system again in five years. So 60% are looking to change system in the next five years. That's right, Kevin. I I think there's some really interesting results there. And clearly there's a, a lot of technology to change that still needs to happen within finance functions going forward. You know, I think any CFO needs to really challenge themselves as to whether they have the right levels of knowledge within their team regarding technology and systems. And I think it's it's clearly going to be an increasing skill set that's required within the finance function teams. You know, not only have you have you got all those challenges that you just mentioned, Kevin, that, that exist within the finance functions, but actually the CFO is getting more and more involved in the operational side of things as well and either taking direct ownership of of various different um, business processes, you know, for example, um, HR, payroll, IT, legal, et cetera. You know, there's a number of things that they're they're now becoming directly responsible for. Um, But likewise, um, influencing and, and providing oversight to other areas as well, such as real estate management and procurement. So, so I, I think that the systems requirements is just going to go up and up. And I think there's going to be an awful lot of change um, across businesses over the next five, 10 years. Um, you know, what, one of the things that we've seen in, in our evolving role of the CFO training program is that the community expect the the compliance, the governance, the guardian, the operations side of the CFO role to to really decrease over the next 10, 20 years. Um, And the reason why is because there's going to be a lot of automation and simplification taking place. um, And most of that is going to fall on the CFO. I've got a thing that says, actually, you've got to be vital rather than functional. Because anything that is functional can be automated. So you've got to be a vital part of your business team as a, an expert in how to change, an expert in looking at strategy going forward, an expert in managing people, an expert in interpreting the results. Because all of those skills that are associated with generating the result and contr- the financial control and governance and so on, just won't be necessary. They'll be automated out of existence. If we can have uh, self-drive cars, we can certainly have self-drive bookkeepers. 
Absolutely. And, and it's interesting because you quite rightly talk about automation, Kevin, and you know, clearly that's something lots of people are looking at. Um, but likewise, outsourcing as well is growing really popular these days. And you know, technology systems are making it easier and easier to outsource business processes to people. And there's a lot of third party service providers out there who have got really, really strong technological capability. Um, and, and actually it can be much cheaper and efficient all around to simply plug in their solutions to your existing business processes and, and therefore outsource the entire process to them. Absolutely. So, Dan, I think we could go on for a long, long time talking about lots of different aspects of, of future finance. Um, I'm sure there's lots more that we can cover off in future episodes. And I think that's a that's a good canter through the uh, finance system survey for today if you want to find out more you can come along and join us at growcfo.net and sign up and join the the portal and take part in the discussions and the the various uh, forum sessions that go on uh, but today i've been kevin appleby and i've been dan wells goodbye goodbye